welcome to the preaching ministry of Port St. Lucie Bible Church. We are a Christian church whose goal is to faithfully preach Christ from Scripture so that we might better love and serve Him. We pray that this message from God's Word would engage your mind with the truth and inspire your heart to obey Christ. Here's today's message. Hello again. Very thankful for the opportunity, the awesome privilege to be up here this morning speaking with you, the beloved of the Lord. Some of you, most of you, are in shock that pastor would allow goofy old Trevor to stand behind the pulpit. Let this be a testimony before your eyes that nothing is impossible for God. <laughs> when pastor called me to ask if I would preach because it would be have a one, he would be having a wonderful week with the youth, I confidently said, yes, okay, let's do it. Immediately after hanging up the phone, the panic set in. What have you done? Myself said to me. Don't worry, I said. Certainly spirit-led. God will take care of you. So after being calmed, I began to think of what I should speak on. And after listening to a few programs I listened to on the daily listening to one of the programs I listened to on the daily featuring R.C. Sproul and reflecting on the story I just told you, I said, I know what the topic will be, renewing my mind. I wrote this as a sort of topical message, so I will be picking from a few parts of the Bible, but the gist of our focus will be upon renewing our minds. How Scripture teaches and shapes us For as the book of Hebrews states, it is living and active. The renewal of the mind is the transformation by the word of God on a believer's life from the inside out. Renewing our minds is about relentlessly reminding ourselves ourselves of who God is and who we are in Christ. It is about putting off the old and putting on the new. I must preface that the renewal of the mind by the Spirit of God, which is His Word, only begins when a person is born again. How can a man be born again? The familiar question from Nicodemus, a leader of the Jews in John chapter 3, and Jesus' response, Unless a man be born of water and the Spirit, he cannot see the kingdom of God. The Lord goes on to explain in verse 14 that he shall be lifted up. That is, as the MacArthur Study Bible puts it, a double meaning alluding to Christ's crucifixion and resurrection. That he shall be lifted up, and I'll pick up reading at verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe in him is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. The Bible teaches that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. 
Sin is a transgression of God's perfect law. Christ, the everlasting Lord, takes on flesh, being born of a virgin, being truly God and truly man. And the writer of Hebrews declares, is in every respect tempted as we are, yet without sin. Jesus, the Messiah, as prophesied centuries and millennia before he was born, lived a sinless life, fulfilling the law of God where we have failed miserably. He was crucified according to the eternal purposes of God and rose from the dead after three days. This signified his victory over death as it was not possible that death should hold him as he was sinless and willingly laid down his life as a sacrifice for those whom he came to save. Those who trust in his name. John chapter 1 says of Jesus, He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. If you trust in Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, then you can now freely enjoy a reconciled relationship with your heavenly Father. For no one can come to Christ unless the Father draws him. When we come to be in Christ, then the righteousness of Christ, his perfection, becomes ours. And this is what gives us this reconciliation to God Almighty. God is holy, perfect, and undefiled, and commands us to be holy. But we are unholy. Now earlier I mentioned how Jesus fulfilled God's law. This is vastly important because we will all be judged according to God's law, which is holy, righteous, and good. If we are in Christ, we shall be judged according to the law, covered in the perfection of Christ, blameless, not guilty. If one is outside of Christ, they shall be judged according to the law on their own standing. Remember, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. If we want to persist in sin and not yield ourselves to the mercy of God in Christ, He will give us over to our own will, and we shall have no more of the grace of God, but be eternally subject to the wrath of God. May it not be that hell be the doom of any here today, but may we utterly cast ourselves on the mercy of God given in Christ alone. Turning from sin unto him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Romans 6.23, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is the foundation of renewing our minds. 
we renew our minds to align ourselves with who we are in Christ. Colossians 1.21 And although you were formerly alienated and hostile in mind, engaged in evil deeds, that he has now reconciled you in his fleshly body through death in order to present you before him holy and blameless and beyond reproach. If any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old things have passed away. Behold, the new has come. Reminds me of a movie called The Legend of Bagger Vance. Forgive me, my mind tends to think in terms of movie quotes and song lyrics. The Legend of Bagger Vance, starring Matt Damon and Will Smith. Matt Damon plays a promising young golfer named Ranoff Juna, who ends up going off to war, going off to fight in World War I. Shaken by the trauma of war, Ranoff returns home a shell of the man he was. The movie timeline carries on into the Great Depression, in which his former love interest, the daughter of a wealthy man in Savannah, Georgia, arranges an exclusive golf match featuring Bobby Jones and Walter Hagen, who are actually real persons, though the story is fictional. They need a third for the match, and a little boy pipes up at a meeting and suggests Ranoff Juna. He's a washed-up drunk, some proclaim. The boy runs to visit Juna and tell him about the match. Juna eventually works himself up to swinging a golf club again, but he has lost his swing. Enter the mysterious Bagger Vance, played by, played by Smith. Bagger plays a godlike character who seemingly knows nothing about golf, offering Juna his caddy services. For those who don't know what a caddy is, if you've ever seen golf on TV, it is the one who is carrying the bag for the player, offering opinions on shot and club selection or affirming his player's course of action. Bagger slowly helps Juna find his swing, but not through critique of his form. Throughout the movie, Bagger sort of pokes and prods at Juna about life, the past, the present. We get to the tournament in the movie, and Juna, during the tournament, is living in the past. He's trying to remember the golfer he once was, but is plagued by near breakdowns about his past. Choices he's made and things that he's seen. Stick with me here, I'm going to try to bring about a point to this. <laughs> Juna, frustrated with the way he's been playing, but mostly frustrated with Bagger, after one of the tournament days is being poked at a little more until the point where he exclaims, it's just a game. Aha, said Bagger. See, you done said it for yourself. Remember, he's from Savannah. So maybe there is something else bothering you. They end up having a philosophical discussion about God, life, and death. Juna ends the conversation remarking that there is no meaning to life. Bagger, 
through this series of bad play by Juno, is beginning to reveal how his past of hurt and wrongdoing has hardened his heart, jaded his view of life, and consequently, his golf game was falling apart. Bagger opens Juno's heart to forgiveness and renewal at a pivotal point in the tournament, when all seems lost for Juno, the town hero so hoped for by Savannah, a member of the gallery comes up to Bagger up in arms. What in the world are you saying to Juna? Because you seem to know as much about golf as I do about driving a locomotive. The person was not a locomotive operator. Bagger says, well, you see, my player has a problem. He still thinks he's ran off Juna. He is ran off Juna, you nit. Well, Bagger replies, He is and he ain't. After the point of reconciliation with God, this is me reading into the story. There is no gospel preached to Juna in the film, but certainly a portrayal of the gospel is what I took from it. Bagger goes on to help Juna see that he is a new creature. The Juna he was is no more. He is and he ain't. You see, it was only when Juna came to the place of forgiveness and renewal, that he was freed to play the game that he was destined to play. Juno goes on to win the tournament, win the girl, and play the golf hero of Savannah. What am I saying here? That if you want to play the hero and look great in the eyes of the world and come to Christ? No, but what I am saying is Christ has come to set us free, to liberate us from sin, that we may become who he has destined us to be, to be fashioned in his likeness into the likeness of Christ. Outside of renewing our minds in scripture, we will lose our swing. In our scripture reading in Romans 12:1, we are reminded that we live our lives by God, for God, by his mercy. It is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this not your own doing, it is the gift of God. We Christians should be of all people the most meek. We have no leg of pride, arrogance, or self-righteousness to stand on, for we are completely reliant upon God for righteousness and justification of life. We are humbled that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us which should show to us and the world that there is no cleaning up of ourselves before we come to God. We come to him warts and all, and he will cleanse us. As Charlotte Elliott put it in the classic hymn, Just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me, and that thou bidst me come to thee, O Lamb of God, I come. But why the renewal of the mind? Aren't we made perfect in Christ? Yes. Do we still struggle with sin? Yes. There are certainly times in my Christian life when I could sing sing with Jim Croce, Hey, tomorrow, I can't show you nothing. You've seen it all pass by your doors. Many times I said I've been changing and slipped into patterns of what happened before. 
So yes, those of us truly trusting in Christ are seen by God as perfect. But we are not automatically made actively perfect here and now. But we are given a new nature. And that new nature says with 1 John 5, 4, that whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. When we sin, we have the same remedy in the foundation we built for renewing our mind. That is the life, death, and resurrection of Christ. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So that the trajectory of our lives is like Proverbs 4.18. The path of the righteous is like the light of dawn that shines more and more unto the perfect day. This path of righteousness is found expressively in his word. This path of righteousness in Christ. The word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path, says the psalmist. We need to be reading and studying our Bible as much as possible so we can discern the walk which the Lord would have us to walk. Now, the path and the destination are the same, but our walks are all unique. God did not make us all carbon copies of one another, thankfully. We all have different personalities and different giftings, but we all feed on the same word and derive our strength from the same Lord. It seems the norm for God to use our seemingly ordinary lives for his divine purposes. And when we are in the habit of daily renewing our minds, we are more stable in our identity and even keeled to be the salt and light we are called to be in the world. That stability is certainly a draw of God for me. There's so much garbage out there today, oh so readily available, we need the grace and stability only God provides. The Apostle Paul wrote to Timothy, urging him to kindle afresh the gift of God given to him, reminding him that God has not given given him a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Therefore, the Apostle continues, Do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, in which he has now been manifested through the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, for which I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, and teacher, which is why I suffer as I do. But I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed and am convinced that he is able to guard until that day, what he has entrusted to me. 
follow the pattern of sound words that you have heard from me and the faith and love that one <clears throat> the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus by the holy spirit who dwells within us guard the good deposit entrusted to you god is able to keep us faithful to his word he is our great enabler and sustainer this is another crucial reminder by his spirit god draws us to his son and by his spirit he strengthens us to stand and walk for him philippians 2:13 for it is god who works in you to will and to do of his good pleasure so let us be doers of the word james 1 that we do all things without murmurings and disputings that we may be blameless and harmless the sons of god without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as lights in the world renew <clears throat> we renew our minds to align with our new hearts we come to god with all our doubts and fears saying lord please help me i can do nothing without you please help me to love you more to love your own to reach out to the lost we renew our minds when we ask god to stir our wills and change our affections to align with his ways so we may bear fruit to his glory when we pray and humble ourselves under his mighty hand when we cast our cares upon him knowing that he cares for us when we plead lord forgive us because we are not as we ought to be but we are trusting in you to see us through we trust in the lord that he will finish the good work which he started in us until the day of christ jesus let us rest in the lord of sabbath that as he that as we become diligent in the scriptures He will lead us to lovingly trust and obey his commands. May we come to truly love him for he first loved us. Earnestly seek out his righteousness knowing that he provides all good things and seek out his wisdom and counsel in the word that we may be come <clears throat> that we may come to experience the abundant life he has promised. A thankful life filled and led by the spirit of god a living sacrifice to the lord our redeemer i'm going to close with the reading of psalm 19 psalm 19 a psalm of king david of the works and word of the lord The heavens are telling <clears throat> the heavens are telling of the glory of God and their expanse is declaring the work of his hands day to day pours forth speech and night to night reveals knowledge there is no speech nor are there words their voice is not heard their line has gone out through all the earth 
and their utterances to the end of the world. In them he has placed a tent for the sun, which is as a bridegroom coming out of his chamber. It rejoices as a strong man to run his course. Its rising is from one end of the heavens and its circuit to the other end of them, and there is nothing hidden from its heat. The law of the Lord is perfect, restoring the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true, they are righteous altogether. They are more desirable than gold, yes, than much fine gold, sweeter also than the honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, moreover, by them your servant is warned, and in keeping them there is great reward. Who can discern his errors? Acquit me of hidden faults. Also keep back your servant from presumptuous sins. Let them not rule over me. Then I will be blameless, and I shall be acquitted of great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and redeemer. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the whole of your works and word. We thank you for salvation that you have provided in Christ. I pray that all of us here today would call upon his name, that we may be rescued from the error of our ways and the final penalty due to us. Grant us grace and patience that as we strive to renew our minds in you, you would fill us with love for one another. Bless this all in Christ Jesus, your Lord, our Lord. Amen.